light the beam because it's time for Nerdy for 30 podcast where we talk about nerdyish movies for 30-ish minutes. My name is Kevin Bauer, aka The Critic's Choice. With me, as always, is the people's champ, Tim Keck. And today, we are talking about the OG X-Men movie from like the year 2000. Pre-9-11. Pre-9-11, yeah. <laughs> um, it, was a, it was a simpler time back then, but... Not a simpler movie. This is a, a movie that tackles a lot of themes and I would say does so exceedingly well. Yeah, I feel like we've been on a burner of uh, OK movies and we decided, you know, what if we just watch something good? It's been a long time <laughs> since I've watched this movie. This is a great movie. This is yeah. really solid. It's it's just good. The whole it's tight, you know. It's like an hour 44 and they get, Mm. I mean, it moves, it moves. They hit everything. There's depth. If you're looking for it, there's all this like metaphor and symbolism and all the stuff they're doing. I mean, we just talked about rebel moon and how they have no idea how to build a team. I mean, this movie did the exact opposite. I, I love all of these characters. The casting is fantastic. I understand what everybody wants and what people care about and how everyone gets along. And it's just, it's just great. This is an amazing movie. And what an introduction to the X-Men. One of my favorite yeah. Marvel groups of all time. That's it's incredible. What an amazing introduction to these guys. It's terrific, dude. They keep it small. This is a tight team. I forgot how small the team was. I wasn't really thinking about that. And then you have Spider-Man come out right after that. Oh, my God. Everybody gives a lot of credit to Iron Man. There was a lot of shit granted that came out between like Spider-Man and uh iron man but holy shit like the the three hit combo of blade then x-men then spider-man that explains why we are where we are today phenomenal phenomenal footing and you're right they're not like coordinating or anything they're just independently three killer movies and i love it i i wanted to talk about the beginning of the movie because this thing gets off to an incredible start immediately like mm-hmm. right away, this movie's good. It opens with Magneto as a kid during the Holocaust in a concentration camp. He's separated from his family. His powers come to life. He's pulling the fence. And that scene ends on a shot of this like warped, like bent fence that he's been pulling at and struggling with. It's beautiful. I think then we go to the title. Then immediately we go to Rogue and Rogue is discovering that she has powers because she's kissing a guy and he gets sick, has a seizure because of her powers. She is terrified and scared and she screams and she's horrified. Then we immediately cut to the government debating what to do about these people and how dangerous they all are and how they are all weapons. And Jean Grey is making the argument that like they're human beings. They deserve to live. And the government's like, no, we need to know who they are. We need to know what they can do. We need to be able to control everything. And this is all being watched by the duality of Professor X and Magneto, who then have a wonderful face to face immediately, immediately. The Ah. the symbol of good and the symbol of quote unquote evil in this movie are face to face. And you realize that both of them are right and both of them are a little wrong and both of them are a little right. And this is a shades of gray, very complicated issue. You understand where both of them are coming from more so Magneto than professor Xavier. 
I mean, they're in shadows on this bridge. It's beautiful. And I think then we go right into introducing Wolverine, which is crazy. So it's like, boom, 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 boom. Incredible. That first chunk, like with Professor X Magneto, was like five mm-hmm. minutes into the movie. That's like five, ten minutes yeah. of the movie. And right away, we have so much symbolism, so much character development. I mean, it's beautiful. I was honestly shocked. I mean, all this stuff, too, is so relevant today. You'd think we would be past some of this stuff. But really, any marginalized group or group of people that's been discriminated against can look at the X-Men and say and see their own experience mirrored back at them. I mean, this is a group of people that the government is is. You know, building a uh, what do they call it, like a straw man for and just using them as a political talking point and blaming them for all this stuff. And um, they're just people. They're just human beings who are doing the best they can and doing what they can in their circumstances. And they don't all get to choose what happens to them. Things just happen to them. And they're, they're all everyone's people in this. Everyone's human. And it's it's great. Kevin, it's such a good, complicated issue that they are presenting all the sides of immediately instantly this is our first impression of the x-men in film and they that's it they've told us everything yeah i love it it's incredible tim they do the gold standard of what i love which is uh slipping the audience like a great lesson in the form of great entertainment the whole thing with Senator Kelly being given mutant powers and then landing in the X-Men's infirmary and telling Storm, I wanted to go to a hospital, but I didn't know if they would help me because <laughs> yes. I'm a mutant and have to eat that crow and have to empathize with that perspective. And the audience doesn't feel like they're being hit over the head with anything because they're watching him turn into a jellyfish and people are shooting lightning out of their hands. And suddenly, suddenly we are hitting a lot of people in this audience. I mean, millions of people saw these movies. A lot of people love the X-Men movies, some of whom may still be bigots, but definitely were bigots going in. And so suddenly it's like you got somebody rooting for these characters and understanding what a character is going through that they otherwise wouldn't have. And that's incredible. Like, it's wild. I I am so scared of what's going to happen to the X-Men under the current state of the MCU because they have not shown any ability to handle anything even remotely as nuanced as this. Um, Mm, I disagree. I think the MCU can do a good job, but we also already saw the X-Men like this X-Men franchise fall off, right? Like X3 is pretty terrible. X2 is good. And then the first class movies are interesting. Yeah, first class movies are fun. Days of Future Past is very fun. Yeah. But and oh we have like all these Wolverine movies Dark that Phoenix. are rough. Like, yeah. There's some yeah, real stinkers like in there. The truly great X-Men movies are probably this, Logan, maybe Days of Future Past. And then like, I mean, Deadpool. I, are we lumping Deadpool in here? No. Deadpool feels like its own thing. I mean, X2 is really good. I mean, I, we should do X2 on the pod. I don't I remember it being liking it more at the time. Yeah, I want to rewatch it. Yeah, I uh, remember thinking it was incredible, but I don't know if that's because there's more of the action or if that's because there's more of the politics, basically. See, I remember as a kid too not picking up on any of this. I was so bored during the Senator Kelly parts. I hated Senator Kelly because he was the one person I didn't know. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are we wasting our time with this old man? It's just an old guy. And he turns into a blob. He doesn't even get like superpowers. So why do we care about him? And then as an adult, I'm like, this is incredible. He's just <laughs> he's great. I mean, it makes sense. He's just he's the real villain in this story. And yeah, it's also in an interesting way with the powers. If we're talking about, you know, marginalized groups of people or people who've been discriminated against. really. The people discriminating against them don't often have the opportunity to become the people they're discriminating against. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I I will say uh, the one exception is I heard somebody who was like a a advocate for, I guess, just more accessibility um, was saying that the disabled population is the largest. What was it? The largest marginalized group that anyone could become a member of at any point in time. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense too. But I, so I mean, I know that, what you're that saying. Like, threat from Kevin. Sure. Uh, <laughs> want you to know, Tim, Kevin, I want you to know personally, you could be a mm. member of the handicapped group at any moment. I'd rather I think I don't about know. it constantly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we have the blob and rogue in this is great she's a great character her power is absolutely useless and it sucks so bad and i remember in the other movies they they try to make her an x-men and it's like why why do you need this woman who actively hurts other people so that what she can steal their power for a little bit well we already have someone who has that power we don't need another person like she shouldn't be an x-men in this context it's it's very silly, but she is the perfect companion for Hugh Jackman and for Wolverine. I mm. do you remember Wolverine and Rogue like really hitting it off in the comics? Because I was thinking of Wolverine and Kitty Pride. That was, I feel oh, like, yeah. my initial the first X-Men run or when they introduced the new team in like 100 and then. Going forward, Wolverine and Kitty Pride had like a father daughter relationship where he's distant and they just continue to do that with like X-23. I mean, Wolverine is the perfect person to give like a, a child to or like someone who needs protecting, who can also break through his hard exterior. And uh, it's just it's one of the reasons why he's such a lovable character. The intro to Wolverine in this is as close to perfect as you can get. Right. Isn't it? It's unreal, dude. Awesome. It is unreal. It hits everything. It is so sick. Um, God damn, dude. Yeah, you're you're 100 right. He's like a mentor for Shadowcat for a while. He teaches her. I believe he teaches her the ways of the ninja in the comics. Um, and, and I think in this one, because they had weirdly, I forgot that they had like a little shadow cat cameo in this movie. They had her in it. I think they needed to use rogue because they needed somebody whose powers were more traumatic. Oh, you know, it's realizing you can phase through stuff. Yeah. And it does play extremely well. I was trying to remember. I'm glad, obviously, they didn't do anything. It would be extremely strange with this dynamic. But I was trying to remember if like rogue and Wolverine have ever dated in the comics because it does feel like. Like a certain, there is definitely like a, a subset of mutants in the comics that are traumatized by their powers. And there's mm-hmm. a palpable jealousy in place between them and any of the mutants who have like really wonderful powers. Like Storm's power is pretty rad. So like, <laughs> yeah, Storm is probably the only one. And honestly, Iceman 
are like the only ones that are like, oh, no, this is just a positive. This is just making my life better. Sure. And I remember that's (laughs) part of the conversation in X-Men 3 when Rogue wants to get the cure and then Storm's like, they can't cure us. And it's like, all right, that's cool. You can make clouds. (laughs) That's cool, Halle Berry. You can just fly and shoot lightning at people. There are zero cons to this. Zero cons. Uh, Rogue, yeah, we'll we'll never be able to physically touch someone (laughs) ever. (laughs) The most most basic of human needs is unaccessible to her. (laughs) Uh, Cyclops uh, can't view the world without putting on glasses. Because if he ever just looks at someone with his regular eyes, he will kill them. Jean Grey is doing this like telepathy, telekinetic thing. But telepathy has got to be hell, right? We know it's like if you all of a sudden you can hear every single person's thoughts. Crazy. There's just full of there's just so much downside. Wolverine's is very cool. And his power set is very neat. And it's very small potatoes compared to a lot of the stuff in the MCU. Mm-hmm. But the way it's presented in the bar, him versus just some guys at the bar. He is a god to them. He is. Yeah. It's all relative. Like once you bring the story small and him getting into he gets into a car accident, like his truck hits a tree and he goes flying out. He doesn't wear a seatbelt. And it's like, why would he wear a seatbelt? What's the worst that could happen to him? But <laughs> but for us, that would be dead, instant dead. And he doesn't care. He's just not afraid of dying. He's not afraid of death. He just does stuff and it's it's great it's crazy him pulling the claws out was like the coolest thing the the first time i saw this amazing and and the third one comes sliding out towards that guy's neck yeah looks you see that like skin flap part yeah like breaks out and then when rogue asks him does it hurt and he says every time he's such a badass it's incredible God, it's so good. He's just so cool, man. And then he even makes a joke calling Professor Xavier wheels. I can't believe. I can't believe that happened in the movie. I feel like that's just been a joke yeah. that people have like made, you know, crassly about Professor Xavier. But then for him to call him wheels in the movie, I was like, oh, OK, this is like self-aware, too. They like know what we're doing. They're like, this is kind of crazy. It is crazy. This movie. It's got a it's got a pretty wicked sense of humor. I wrote down yes. a couple of jokes that were made and I love them. One of them, a little esoteric storm. You know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? Same thing that happens to everything else. I was going to ask you about this because I saw some debate online. Is that a great line or is it the worst line of all time? <laughs> <laughs> what side are I you on? I'm on the side of I think it's a realistic line because it feels like she's amped up on adrenaline and she's kind of trying to be cocky, but she doesn't necessarily have the ability to craft a sick burn. And that's what comes out <laughs> like there are some actual sick burns in this, too. But that one is like it's weird. It's wild. It's iconic. I love it. I like it. I love it, too. I think it's great. I think it's funny for a character. What were the other ones you got? The other ones I wrote down. This is a quick one. Just uh when Mystique has kind of separated up the team and they're not sure who's who, Wolverine comes back. It's me. Prove it. You're a dick. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Also, benefit of that joke, you don't get to that laugh that the audience shares unless you've already done the character work leading up to it. 
We just talked about Rebel Moon last week. They cannot make a joke like that at the end of Rebel Moon. No. Because we don't know who the fuck anybody is. It's yeah. not going to land. We don't have our base reality set. The best one, the God tier joke in this movie is they are in the the uh, Statue of Liberty's torch yeah. and Cyclops is like, Storm, can you have a bolt of lightning? And Magneto goes, a bolt of lightning in a big metal dome? I thought you lived at a school. <laughs> thought you lived at a school with Ian McKellen's like all of his condescension. I thought oh. you were going to say the metal detector, which is my favorite joke in the whole thing is Wolverine. Everyone quietly sneaks through and they all sneak through a metal detector and Wolverine sets it off and then he has to destroy it. And then he flicks everybody off with the middle claw. It's like just like there's so many good bits in this. I also love Wolverine and Cyclops relationship where Wolverine is immediately flirting with Jean Grey. And he says to Cyclops, are you going to tell me to stay away from my girl, from your girl? And Cyclops goes, if I had to do that, she wouldn't be my girl. <laughs> I remember as a kid being like, whoa, awesome. And then on his way out, he's like, by the way, stay away from my girl. I'm like, yes, this is what men do. These are the boys are being boys. I fucking love it. Uh, <laughs> <You know? laughs> These are my guys doing their thing. God, so good. It's also f- so funny to me now this time. This, <laughs> I noticed this where Wolverine, the, the fact that they use Wolverine as a care as like an audience stand in to mm-hmm. introduce us to the X-Men is great. Like he wakes up in the in the castle. We get an introduction to the characters as it's being explained to him. But he wakes up in this weird underground lair, which I'm sure is like terrifying for him. On some level, because he's been experimented on, we know, in his background. And so now he's waking up in an underground bunker. Got to get out of there. Gets in the elevator, comes up, and he's like hiding and sneaking around the school. And there's Mm. just kids going to class. (laughs) Like the thing he is so scared of is just children walking down the hallway and like going to school. And he doesn't. He just doesn't know what's happening yet. But then he then stumbles into a classroom. It's just so funny to put him in a situation where. He's literally as safe as he can be. He is just around sweet, innocent kids and he's confused, overwhelmed by it. I don't know. So good. It's amazing. It's so cool. It's such an awesome, like iconoclastic moment to have him in like a full, like survival mode. And there's not a paramilitary team chasing him. It's kids coming down the stairs. It's like, that's really, really neat. I also I did, like uh I'm sorry, <laughs> wrote down the line Magneto at one point says God works too slow as he's like taking all these me- awesome. I mean this thing is loaded. This uh, thing is loaded with great lines. Every dude, every I, line they, is iconic. They crushed it with the casting in this movie, but I think the most important casting was Patrick Stewart and Ian McCallan. I think both of them are Royal Shakespeare Academy guys, right? Like true real deal British trained actors. And it shows this is Shakespeare. This is them playing like these really incredibly complicated characters with like very understandable perspectives. And wow, they just sell the hell out of it. Their chemistry together is incredible. You buy that these guys have a decades long friendship. You buy that each one of these guys is willing to do anything it takes to protect their I, I don't know their their goals, their plans, their designs for humanity. It's it's really amazing. I think so much of this. You mentioned that they show up and they have that first confrontation like five minutes in this movie. 
I think that really sets the tone for everything we're going to see. It's also interesting to me because Professor X is there and he has the power. I know in X2, there's a thing where he's plugged into Cerebro and has the ability to connect to every human mind on the planet and kill them all. Like this guy mm-hmm. is God tier powerful. He could just show up in Washington and just like force people to do the things he wants them to do. You know, he could just like force a, a vote through and legalize all this stuff. And Magneto is like one of the most powerful mutants of all time. He could, you know, crush the building and everyone inside of it. And we wouldn't have to worry about this guy. He could just, you know, you know, put a put like a chair through Senator Kelly's head and nothing. But they both go. They both watch and then they both leave. And they're playing this like a more intelligent game on some level where they are not looking for world domination. They're both fighting for their causes and they are both. It's a stealthy like political game they're playing with each other. I mean, they're playing chess like they're at the end of the movie. Playing chess, baby. Uh, They're trying to make a point. (laughs) The bullet scene with Magneto. Holy moly. Yes. See, that is so tense. I'm I always thought it was weird. So Magneto has controls a gun. He shoots a guy. He just has a bunch of guns floating, pointing at people. One of them goes off. You think he might have shot this guy in the head, but Magneto stops the bullet and it's right in front of his head. That guy screams like an agony, like the bullet has is in his skin. And then when it drops nothing, it's not in his skin. There's no blood. There's no anything. He's the afraid, scream, man. The scream yeah. is weird. I, I just always thought the scream was like a weird overreaction, you know, like move your head, do something. Just it, it looked like a scream of like pain. And then it's like, oh, you, but you aren't physically in pain right now. I don't know. I always thought that was weird. I think he's emotionally in pain. I mean, it's an iconic Emotional moment. Pain. The scream itself, as soon as I heard it, I realized that that sound bite has been saved in my brain since childhood. Yeah. Like I knew the exact scream. They're like, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I think he's fucking terrified. I'd be terrified. Yeah, I didn't like it as a kid. And on the rewatch, I still don't like it. It's a bad choice. I don't like it. Weird. <laughs> All right. But well, that scene okay. is amazing. That scene is amazing. I think his reaction is so goofy and silly. I also hmm. I also this time thought it was silly. Cerebro being used, right? The first time they used Cerebro. <laughs> the first time the first time they use Cerebro is like rogues run away. I'll find her, you know? And then they go into this machine. It's so complicated. It's too powerful for Jean Grey to use. Only Professor X can. Uh, and it because it connects. It's so powerful. And they do all of that to say, oh, Rogue is at the train station. And I'm like, <laughs> you couldn't. <laughs> she's she left. She's on foot. The train is probably the closest form of public transit that's available. Like, where else would she go? Like, you really needed Cerebro <laughs> to determine <laughs> that she was on a train at the train station trying to get out of there. <laughs> like, we need to determine how late Walmart's open today to Cerebro, my X Men. You couldn't call. You can pick crazy. up the phone. <laughs> you couldn't. Yeah, make two calls. And like you could find this this person. You don't even need her. (laughs) Like Wolverine could just get on his bike and do this. And yet it's like Cerebro is doing all this stuff. And then when Rogue goes missing, uh, there's a long there's a Rogue is actually missing. Magneto's taken her. Uh Professor X does not use Cerebro 
right away. He does not. The thought doesn't even cross his mind for a while. Like Halle Berry is like, it's on the news. They're doing this thing. He's going to do like there was a lot of other stuff that happened. And then Professor X is finally like, OK, I will use Cerebro. I'll find her. And I'm like, yes, of course, you should have done that instantly. You did it instantly when she was clearly at a train station. And now she's been stolen by Magneto. You can't control Magneto's mind. You can find Rogue. Just do it. And then he's infected with the thing. It's like story wise, the use of Cerebro uh, is like best for the story. But in practicality, I thought it was so goofy this time. It's so silly. Just when and how often he feels like using it. It's so goofy. That is a little weird. I also wanted to ask about what you thought now about Magneto's plan. Do you think he knew that it was going to kill the humans going in? Or do you think he knew? Or thought that it was just going to turn them all into mutants and everything was going to be fine. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he has this plot to turn like every important person on the planet into a mutant because they're all mm-hmm. they're all conveniently meeting at the Statue of Liberty for some reason. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I think he was genuinely surprised that the senator died and that was new information to him. And there's a moment watching it now where I'm like, is this enough? Is like this enough to convince him to stop that? Oh, the senator dies. Does he believe them? Does he think like at what point does he make the choice? He either makes the choice that he doesn't believe them and that it'll work out fine or he believes them and decides I'm okay if all these people die. You know? Yeah, but his goal going I think in it doesn't matter. Yeah, but but is but one is just murdering people, which he could do at the beginning of the movie and doesn't like I don't think he just True. wants to mu- murder people. I think he's doing this like undercut. I think he doesn't believe them. That's what I think. I don't think he believes them about the senator. I think he thinks his plan is going to work. And I think he thinks he's going to turn everybody into mutants. And I think he thinks that that's and rightly so i mean we make the joke all the time of like you want to cure cancer like give it to the president or something you know like we just need someone in power to get this you never heard that i feel like that joke's been made all the time anytime it's like well we have a problem we need solved well we just gotta infect a politician with this or something you know like if the people in power had to solve this problem it would be solved but because it's people of no consequence like us then these problems aren't being solved so to make every world leader a mutant you know, at some point you would have to. I mean, it would address things. It would it would solve the problems. Uh, him Man, killing them would, be, would only hurt his cause. It would have been a really funny first day back in Congress if everybody was suddenly mutant and they're just like, uh, so those bills, uh, we need to get rid of those, right? The ones trying to <laughs> keep mutants out of places. On the Senator Kelly thing, too, I did write down one funny exchange. Storm says that the senator came to see them and. <laughs> Magneto says, ah, he's doing even better than I could have imagined. And Storm says, he's dead. (laughs) Incredible exchange. Just incredible. Um, Man. Yeah, I there is one. There's one other thing that I thought was really weird this time around. It's a it's just a bad look. Um, Logan's having a nightmare. Rogue goes in to see us. And like so weird straddles him on the bed and then he wakes up and stabs her. He's shirtless. She's wearing like a nightgown. Then everybody comes in and it's just like, this looks so bad. The like 40 year old man 
and 14 year old girl that you just found just showed up. It's just, it's just awful. I don't know how there's any world in which they're like, Wolverine's gotta go. We're going to call the cops. But instead, everybody just snaps into action helping as though like they all immediately know there's nothing untoward going here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it seems like everyone is, or at least she's okay. So she's like up and, and acting, but you're right. If you find her in bed with the teacher, then you gotta, you gotta ask questions. You <laughs> like, gotta. That, that's a change that would definitely not fly today. They wouldn't do that at all. Yeah. It's just weird. Uh, it was a little, the whole thing was a little strange. Um, yeah. It's one thing like that would be like in the infirmary or something or. Yeah. You know, like somewhere. It can't be his like room. Now it's just a, uh, it's just a gross look. Yeah. I, uh, my favorite thing about the X-Men, which I know, I know I've definitely brought up on the pod before is like, you know, DC is telling the story of gods. Marvel is telling the story of, of humans and like human struggles, but even the MCU is like gods compared to the X-Men. The X-Men are just human beings who probably have, who have like one quirky thing about them. You know, mm-hmm. there's no Superman. I mean, in the comics, there are, there are characters that are way overpowered, but for the most part, there's no Superman. There's a guy with heat vision. There's a guy with cold breath. There's a guy with indestructible skin. There's a guy who can fly, but like the, some of their parts are always greater than them as individuals. And I noticed even at the end, like how do they get Wolverine to stop this guy? You know, they don't just throw him up there. It's like Jean Grey has to stabilize him. Storm's using wind. And then Cyclops like takes the shot, which, by the way, yeah. he's I've got a shot. I'm taking it. I always thought that was so cool as a kid. And then he snipes Magneto like it is a complete team effort in order to stop this thing. And it's so simple and so dumb. But that's what we need from these teams. And it's why something like Rebel Moon will always be trash in comparison. Yeah. Man, yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that thing that you told me one time where it takes multiple X-Men to make one Thor. <laughs> and it's great. You see that. You see that when they're escaping from the Statue of Liberty torch too. Storm or no, Gene has to like levitate the visor over to Cyclops and then Cyclops opens his eyes and it blows the hole in the wall. Like it's great. Yeah. It's so cool. They all need each other to do stuff, except Storm is just a straight up God who just controls lightning and flies around. Yeah. But everyone else like needs to work together to get stuff done. And it's great. I love it. It's really the best thing about the X-Men. I was so happy that this movie held up when you pitched doing this movie. I was honestly a little bit worried because I was like, I don't want to realize this movie's bad. I remember as a kid, just like you said, like I liked X-Men 2 so much that I kind of stopped watching X-Men 1. I probably haven't seen this movie any good. Boy, it's probably been more than 20 years and man, oh man, is it good? I agree. It is so good. I agree. Like this is this movie's better now, better yeah. as an adult. <laughs> it's great. But you're right. I think uh, it was the same way. I think I, I think X2 came out and I just stopped watching the first one. Mm-hmm. To be I, fair, too, I had worn that VHS tape down to the bones. Like, oh, yeah, that thing, that strip was barely hanging on that little magnetic tape. And then I watched X3 a lot. I'm not going to judge you. It was so bad, but I just like seeing all the guys as a kid. I was just like, I want to see all the people. I want to yeah. see all the mutants, you know, get this Senator Kelly off my screen. You know, <laughs> get me, get me more cameos from girls. who can walk through walls, you know, give me a tease just, of Jubilee. I just like Kelsey Grammer's beast. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listener, what do you think? Does X-Men 1 hold up? Do you have any other thoughts on the X-Men in general that you want to share with us? Let us know. Send us an email, nerdy430 at gmail.com. Nerdy is spelled out. Four is spelled out. 30 is just the number 30 at gmail.com. We'll read it on the show. We promise. And uh, you know what? We'll be back here again next week. I don't think we know what we're doing next week yet, do we, Tim? No, but we we're excited about it. Oh, we sure are. We got some big <laughs> releases coming up. Argyle. I'm hearing good things about it. Maybe it'll be Argyle. We'll Maybe see. It'll be Argyle. Maybe next week will be Argyle. Maybe. Whatever our next pod is, if it's not Argyle, we should start it by like, this is not Argyle. <laughs> yeah, we have to. We're going to have to concede on that. Or yeah. we can say this is Argyle. This is Argyle. And then talk about, you know, X-Men 2. Yeah. Or actually do Argyle. Hmm. Limitless possibilities. It's like combinations of X-Men near limitless. Mm, near limitless. Or 12. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's either near limitless or 12. Now we're starting to or sound 16. like mild calculus homework. <laughs> it's four times four. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.